Boraway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. This season of Going There is brought to you by AbV, who is driving the pursuit of better mental health. Over the last 30 years, AbV's scientists and clinicians have worked to tackle the complexity of mental illness and today offer a portfolio of medicines and a pipeline of innovation that spans depression, anxiety, bipolar 1 disorder, and schizophrenia. To learn more about AbbVie's work to support individuals throughout their mental health journey, please visit www.abbvie.com or follow at AbbVie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Today we are talking with sisters Natalie, Allison, and Megan, otherwise known as the band Joseph. You may know Joseph from songs such as White Flag, Green Eyes, and Side Effects. Joseph has appeared on shows such as The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, Ellen, and Conan, and has played music festivals such as Coachella, Lollapalooza, and Bonnaroo. One album review described their music as an appealing mix of swoony delicacy and punchy anthems. The band just released their new album called The Sun, which includes the song Nervous System. Joseph is in the middle of a North American tour, then will be playing a series of shows in Europe in October. Check out Joseph's music, tour dates, and merchandise at thebandjoseph.com. Now, on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so that we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the most important issues that we face on our mental health journey is how we interpret the signals that our body and mind give us as we face different stressors in our life. When we struggle with our mental health, those signals can often become intense and overwhelming. For example, while many people experience lower energy when they are sad, we can feel like we have absolutely no energy when we are depressed, leaving us unable to complete basic life tasks. And while some people may have an increased desire to have a drink, smoke pot, or use another substance, when we struggle with addiction, that desire may manifest as a powerful craving that is very difficult to resist. In the conversation with Joseph, we specifically discuss the physical sensations associated with having a panic attack. So while some people may experience mild anxiety when stressed, such as elevated heart rate, when we struggle with panic, we may experience much more intense feelings as though we've lost control of our body and our mind to the point where we can't concentrate or even pass out. In our conversation, the band discusses how the song Nervous System is a description of intense anxiety. Now, there are many reasons why we may experience intense feelings associated with panic. 
We may be born with a biological vulnerability that makes our typical stress response much more intense. We may be under significant stress in our lives such that we are being triggered regularly and intensely or engaging in unhealthy behaviors such as poor sleep that make us vulnerable to intense stress responses. And we may also have catastrophic interpretations of our initial stress response that makes us become even more anxious. And how we listen to our bodies, talk to ourselves, and seek support from others can have a significant impact on how well we cope with the intense experience of panic. For example, one of the things that the band and I discuss is how we tend to give ourselves permission to be anxious about some stressors, but not others. So we may say that it is okay to be nervous about something regarding work, but be more judgmental of ourselves when we are anxious in social situations. And that judgment may result in our not giving ourselves the care we need to help manage our intense physical reaction. So we need to not only be kind to ourselves, but also find people who are understanding and supportive to help us on our mental health journey. Now, as we progress through this season of Going There, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. So let's go there and listen to what the Sisters of Joseph have to say. Hey, welcome to Going There. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. So let's start talking about your song, Nervous System. Tell me what that, that song is about and particularly how it's about your mental health journey. Yeah, that song came from a moment that I was experiencing some anxiety at the same time as my partner at the time. I was balancing that feeling of how do I help them while also needing to help myself in this moment. In the analogy I, that I sort of came to was that analogy when someone is drowning, they say to be careful because like someone who's drowning, if you try and help them, you can end up going down with them. And so that was the initial idea. And then from there, we just sort of started talking about my experience with anxiety and the power that I have found through well, I guess there was this thing that I found called Panic Free TV, this guy, Michael Norman, who totally changed my life. And you can find his videos on YouTube and stuff. But there, a lot of what he talks about is like having the ability within your own body to to sort of be okay and to calm your nervous system. And yeah, so that's kind of where it all started and where all the analogies and things kind of came from was that from that conversation. You know, as we were writing it, that's Allie telling her story. And she also sings lead on that song. Megan and I had also been seeing therapists and going through our own things. And the modality that I was experiencing was somatic, therapeutic experiencing. And that was tremendously meaningful to me. And a lot of kind of what I had been learning in that work to sense what's happening physically and let that be a map and a guide to listen to what you intend to yourself mentally was definitely playing a major role when we wrote the song and a lot of kind of lyrics and thoughts in the conversation came up from that work for sure do you guys feel comfortable talking about what anxiety feels like mm. to you because it manifests differently for different people mm. whoa i okay I, i'll be honest i feel hesitant only because in my experience sharing what it feels like to me i feel like there's been times where i've like where someone else who is a feeler will be like oh i wonder what that feels like and then mm. they start to feel it and then i get 
then I'm like, oh my God, I'm responsible for multiple people's anxiety. <laughs> but I actually learned this thing the other day that I thought was really fascinating. And I think this kind of describes this, but I was learning from that guy, Michael Norman, that anxiety is just adrenaline. And he was making this comparison, how when you're feeling anxiety, it's the same exact feelings that you have when you're feeling excitement. You can feel like really like your heart is pounding, you have sweaty palms or you're have you know, you're like your breathing is shallow or something. And he was just saying it's sort of this like idea of like just your context that you're putting it in. But so I guess for me, I would, that's probably what I'll say is that I would say that the anxiety that I experience is like a different context of excitement. (laughs) But yeah, so I think that it's a lot of similar feelings, but yeah, in a different context. Yeah, I think I think the the easiest way for me to describe it that I found through another resource, actually an app called unwinding anxiety, that's been super powerful for me, is it's a contracted feeling where Mm -hmm. everything is like coming in on itself. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the opposite being expansion. And like, even some of the practices that I learned through that app really are even like simple, like rate, you know, open your eyes really wide and smile. And just the act of like expanding Mm -hmm. versus continuing to like contract even your eyebrows and your shoulders and everything Mm -hmm. is like, I feel like really good visual without going into the details of what it feels like. (laughs) It is like, that's, that's ultimately what's happening is it's this like contraction. Yeah. It's very interesting what you guys are talking about because the, the interpretation of anxiety is so critical Mm -hmm. to how it manifests. You know, I think that what Allison was saying about it being adrenaline, I think that it would, for so many people, when you get the intensity Mm -hmm. of it, you wind up assuming that intensity is something bad if you're not ready for it. And there's other contexts where we experience adrenaline and because we're ready for it, it's not something that we interpret as being Exactly. I've realized like what I will feel right before a show is like the exact same feeling that I will feel in what exactly what you're saying, a context that I'm like totally terrified of my anxiety and not to say that my anxiety before a show isn't terrifying, it is, but you're like excited and you're like, here we go. And it, I don't spend too much like overthinking it because I'm just like, well, duh, of course I'm feeling this. This is insane. You know? <laughs> and it's that exact feeling. And it's interesting that you say that, Megan, because I think that what we tend to do is we tend to be very selective mm. with giving ourselves permission to feel certain things. Yeah. Well, and so, mm-hmm. you know, so for example, when we run a marathon, I mean, marathons should be one giant mass panic attack. Right. People's heart, hearts are racing. Yeah. They're sweating. They're having trouble breathing. Yeah. It's in front of a ton of people. Yeah. People have gone to the bathroom in their pants. <laughs> yeah, like, true. And, and yet why is everyone talking about that? Like it's the greatest experience right. of their life. It's in part because they gave themselves permission ahead of time mm-hmm. to experience all of those things. And in fact, mm-hmm. experiencing all those things was almost seen as the evidence that you're doing something wonderful. Wow. And, yeah. and we do not give ourselves permission to experience anxiety, despite the fact that there's so much evidence that we, we kind of should be experiencing yeah. adrenaline or stress or yeah. anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. I recently was having a, a lot, you know, about with anxiety and something that the same guy that Ali was speaking of earlier, Michael Norman, is he was saying like, oftentimes if you're feeling a lot of anxiety, like in your life, it's, it's actually 
It's like sending alarm bells to be like, something needs to change. There's something in your life that's like not right right Mm -hmm. now. And honestly, when she shared that with me, I was like, wow, that changes the entire perspective of how I am seeing myself having anxiety. Because before I was like, oh my gosh, I'm losing control. Everything's Mm -hmm. like out of control. And then as soon as she said that, I was like, wow, okay, I just feel like I got back in the driver's seat. And, and all that happened was a perspective change and the same feelings were still present, but like, I all of a sudden had like purpose behind them. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's that exact thing, the permission and the perspective. It's interesting to say that there's something wrong. Cause I, I've always assumed or interpreted anxiety or tried to encourage people to interpret anxiety as there's probably something right Whoa. going on yeah. because if you, if you want to not be anxious, I mean, I can make you not anxious if you fully shut off <laughs> yeah. from everything, right. you know, chances are you're feeling anxiety because you're pushing yourself a little bit in your life. If there's something that's wrong, it may be the fact that you're beating yourself up. Right. And that brings to the second concept, which is that we, we tend to not have conversations with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have arguments with mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you know, what you're talking about is that reframe of saying like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with my anxiety. Yeah. Like, this is horrible. Shut up. Yeah. Like, no, you have to listen to me. I hate yeah. you. You know, as opposed to be like, Hey, you're, yeah, you're, you're what's wrong. Yeah. You know, totally. and that's hard to do because it's adrenaline is great if you know it's coming, but <laughs> if you don't, it just feels like you just got, you know, hit with a, with a wave right. or, you know, something that's not all that pleasant. Right. Although getting hit with a wave can be pleasant. <laughs> See context. Yeah. <laughs> I got to think of something different though. But so, you know, you, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the song was the concept. Uh, it's not over. Hmm. And can, can you guys tell me a little bit about just the, the concept behind that lyric? Wow. What's the, now I'm like, what's the context around um, that one? Cause uh, it's the pre-chorus. You think you made your way out of the deep. But it's a ripple effect. It's, it's not, not over yet. yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll just say for me personally, that was a feeling where for a while there, I felt like I had really like, well, okay, there's two two parts to it. But I would say like for me, I had a moment where I felt like I had really like conquered my, a lot of my anxiety. And then, so that was the like, you think you made your way out of the deep. And then it was like, it's not over yet, which then it was like, okay, I have a little bit more work to do. Mm. And that was something that, yeah, that I was thinking about in that moment. And yeah, I also think like relationally in the moment as well, it was sort of like, oh yeah, I felt like this was something we had discussed. And now it's like, but we haven't got, you know, we're not, it's not over yet, but I'm curious if you guys had different thoughts on that line. No, yeah. yeah. It's just setting up that chorus. Yeah. So yeah. Like, here we, you know, we're still in this. It's not, it's also not over yet in the sense that it's not like we still have a fighting chance. Yeah. Exactly. That's also how I interpret totally. it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because I find that, you know, knowing it's not over can be so powerful on in a positive way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're still in this, but also knowing that you've never really won. Hmm. And that's, that's okay too. You know, that when it comes to, because I think that the idea that you're supposed to make it over, you're supposed Hmm. to get over it. You're supposed to have moved past it. You know, you're supposed to have developed, you know, sometimes people will almost like grow out of it. Hmm. And it's like, when we talk about mental health, we always use these, these kind of odd, you know, uh, linear developmental terms 
And it, it puts this like, it puts this sense of like, okay, like, am I done with this yet? Yeah. Done with yeah. This? I, I, sh- I should be, I should be better. I did therapy. I'm better. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, that's dangerous. Cause I just, it's, it's never over, but it's also never over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I'm hearing is we don't often have conversation or we don't naturally have a conversation with ourselves. We have like a drill sergeant in our minds being like, this is trying to superimpose over the top of things that are actually happening, what you think should be happening. And there's this thing that's like, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this right now. Mm -hmm. Or I shouldn't be, I should be over this now. And how, how destructive and leading to only annihilation that voice truly is versus this, a lot of like the somatic work that I did was leading me into finding this other voice in my mind that was tremendously compassionate and curious and like maternal almost and sort of just like wow what's going on right now like let's how do we like explore this non-judgmentally and with love for ourselves in that conversation and I feel like that's kind of a theme of a lot of what you guys are saying in this too is it's like all right this feeling that I'm feeling is information Mm -hmm. and how do I spend loving curious time with it to find out what might be going on to actually let those feelings exist and breathe so that they can fully dissipate and diffuse in the natural process and way that it can course through the nervous system, you know? And that question, you know, the idea of curious versus critical, mm-hmm. there is such a big difference between asking what's going on. Versus, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, totally. You yes. know, and, and that, that exact, those exact same words asked in a different way, mm-hmm is the difference between opening up Oof. a path. Like, you know, if you, our anxiety can, and our depression and the different things that we have can lead us to understand ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And if we shut that down as like, no, like you're invited to the party, but you're not, mm-hmm. it's not long before we start questioning all the rest of our emotions. Exactly. Like, am I, you know, am I, am I happy in the right way? Like maybe my happiness yeah. isn't exactly healthy, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. The, the curiosity thing is so amazing that the app I was speaking of earlier on winding anxiety, he walks you through this moment where he talks a lot about curiosity and how it it will like change in your brain to curiosity instead of fear and panic and stuff. Like it really like, again, like expands your brain, opens it up. But he, he does this thing where he's like, okay, so where do you feel the anxiety in your body? And for me, I'm like, okay, my chest. And he's like, okay, so do you feel it more on the right side or the left side of your body? And he said, and the middle's not like, you can't say middle. And I was like, wait, (laughs) I was like, I feel it in the middle. And then, but then I had to like, I had to look at it in this way that it's like, Oh, it's outside of me. Almost. It's something that's happening and it's not me, but I'm like, okay, is it on the left or right? And it was so interesting. It totally changed like how I was experiencing it because I had to look at it and like, and distance myself in a way that I could become an observer of it. And, and it like released some of the power it was having over me. It's, it's interesting that you say that the idea is an observer and bring back Allison to what you were saying about, I believe if I'm remembering from my lifeguarding days, <laughs> the, you know, that the, you, you attack your rescuer. Right. Um, <laughs> one, one of the things that, that you guys uh, at least my interpretation of when in the sun is the idea of you wanted me small. Yeah. And 
I think that one of the things you guys are talking about is this, this very proactive and what, you know, certainly sounds like a very healthy part of a mental health journey or a very adaptive part of a mental health journey. But one of the things that, that I think people come up against is that not everybody is exactly on board with someone else's mental health journey. Yeah. Like you'd think that they would mm-hmm. be, but, but they're not always like, you know, people get used to you being anxious and, and maybe a little, I don't know if the term is submissive or hesitant. And some people can experience that as making them feel powerful, mm-hmm. or maybe they feel threatened totally. when someone's more secure. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm kind of wondering, you know, building off of that lyric, have you guys experienced situations, you know, where people have maybe either been more or less supportive mm-hmm. of that kind of progress in terms of, of your own mental health journey? Well, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. For me, I was in a situation at one time where it was over a, a a period of a few years and you, you build like ways of being like you're saying with each other. And for me, I was in a, a power dynamic where I wasn't really winning <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I didn't really notice. And it in some way satisfied something in me to try to win and to try and like do all the right things to like please somebody else. Um, but when I shifted into a position of like, oh my God, I don't have to take this crap anymore and whatnot. It it was pretty scary at first to like change the dynamic. And I did feel for me, I was like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong at first, you know, like, because I'm changing the dynamic and now this person is like maybe upset with me or like one time, you know, I was on my phone and he like hits it out of my hand kind of thing. Cause you know, it's like, like, try it's like this like wait you're you're supposed to be submissive (laughs) you know like you're supposed to be this thing and you're not being this thing that we've been and it was it took me a while to even think that changing for me and for like the better for me was even okay to do and even a possibility to do Mm. so it's uh yeah and even it took like actually just doing it and like getting out of the situation and Mm -hmm. a lot of therapy in hindsight to still be like, that was okay. Mm -hmm. I had to talk about that with my therapist of like, you know, I still felt a lot of guilt and shame at the end of it. And afterwards when, when I'm, when now I'm like, I'm beyond it years beyond it. And I'm like, wow, like, Mm -hmm. of course that was the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like taking care of myself and stuff, but it's, it's not always easy for people, especially when you've been in patterns with them. Yeah. For them to, to welcome that change. Yeah. In my experience. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very interesting. Cause I, I thought the title I'm alone. No, you're not. <laughs> was, was kind of cool <laughs> in the sense that I, I kind of, I immediately had kind of a dual experience of that where it was sort of like, like, I'm alone. No, you're not. Like, isn't that comforting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then sometimes it's sort of like, I'm alone. Someone saying, no, you're not is almost intrusive. Mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. And this is one of those situations that you're talking about where it's like, you get the sense of like, man, maybe, maybe it would be actually kind of good to be alone <laughs> right now. Like maybe when I was with you before, it felt kind of good to say, oh, I feel alone. No, 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 you're not. And it's like, that felt good. But now, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe being alone's not so bad. Yeah. One one thing yeah. I hear in Megan telling that story is just like how 
when you put yourself in positions in relationships or in systems where you're being sort of like given a regimented list of ways to behave that suits them. Like there, like you're saying, like there is, especially with different starting points of how you may have been socialized or raised or in spaces like where that's like a comforting thing. It's like, Oh, all I have to do is please you. Like you're saying, and like, all I have to do is like follow this thing. But I also have had experiences like that where then of course, like those things that that person might want from you or want you to do can change and contradict Mm -hmm. themselves and all of these things. And so what I heard you say, Meek, that I relate to a lot is like when you, when you extricate yourself from that thing, it's, it's so scary because you're like, wait, I'm answering to myself. Like I'm making the rules now. And even though the other thing was damaging to me, it was in a way like, I'm just following what someone else is saying to do, but how like stepping out into being your own like rule maker is yes, empowering and amazing. And you also have to like find your sea legs with that too. And that I'm alone part of it where it's like, okay, I'm alone. I'm standing on my own two feet, you know, in that particular way. It's such an emotional, or I should say it's an interpersonal analog. It sounds like Mm -hmm. to what Megan was saying about the expansion versus the contraction, Mm -hmm. you know, of anxiety. It's like, you're talking about a relationship in which you, you have to contract in order to be in it yeah. and expansion is actually seen as something right. bad. And I, th- I think, unfortunately, that's something that a lot of people experience that if they, you know, themselves feel anxiety and are used to that kind of, you know, I don't know if it, it, the physical effects of contracting, mm-hmm. sometimes people contract their lives to protect themselves from anxiety. Yeah. And then they wind up in relationships that, that cater yeah. to that, yeah. you know, this feels safe and, th- and there's certainly nothing nothing wrong with that. If, you know, people kind of do what they need to feel connection at a given time. But if all of a sudden you start emotionally expanding, Mm -hmm. somatically expanding, then all of a sudden your Mm -hmm. relationships might need to expand. And that's, that's, that's rough for a lot of people. So you guys are, are writing, at least from my perspective, a lot of music that will really get people to think about their own mental health journey and, and hopefully inspire people to kind of take steps, you know, with destigmatizing, you know, what they're going through by listening to what you're going through. Were there any artists, bands or songs, artists, bands, albums, songs that, that were kind of critical for you guys in terms of being the first ones to really make you think about mental health or the ones that you go to when you're Mm -hmm. coping. Yeah. Right. One of my, I'll say one of my albums that brings me a lot of peace is actually there's two by this one artist, but the artist is Abby Gunderson and she has, it's just instrumental music and she has these two albums. One of them is I think called time moves slowly or something like this. And then the other one I can't remember the name of, but the picture is like kind of a faraway picture of her at the piano, I believe. And um, those two albums are like two of my absolute favorite when it comes to just like immediately feeling peace, listening to them. And I've, I've always kind of wondered like what her mentality was writing those because it feels like it just oozes like calm and rest and mm-hmm. I should probably ask her that next time, but <laughs> anyways, I like, sir, I know her. So I was like, I should probably ask for that. <laughs> I feel like I have been very changed by Lizzo and like, mm-hmm. she, 
like from the beginning when I first heard about her, it was stunning to me the ways in which she was able to reveal vulnerability and strength, oftentimes simultaneously. And I have so appreciated from the first moment I ever heard about her, the ways that she will say like the things that she's feeling and the things that she is up against and how she contends with those things. And she really exemplified something that I wanted to experience for myself, which is a compassionate sense for yourself when about the things that you're struggling with and also somehow managing to be like world shakingly powerful and stepping into that luminous kind of existence. And like she shows us both of those things. And that has been like really freeing to me to try to, you know, try to try to be like that. And, is, and isn't it sort of the idea that vulnerability and strength are separate is, is seems like such a cultural artifact. And, and it seems as though in order to have that power, in order to have that strength, you have to be vulnerable in, in some yeah. way, because it would strike me as very difficult for anybody to figure out the path towards that strength without making them vulnerable to whatever weaknesses that they were struggling yeah. with. But it would just be so much better if we could have those things as yeah. one. You're vulnerable and powerful. You're vulnerable and strong. Yeah. But I do think that there is a is kind of a, I don't know if it's a norm or a bias, where the senses is vulnerability and strength are, are separate. Totally. Those are, it's similar to like courage and fear are like separate things. But also oftentimes you're experiencing courage because you're experiencing fear at the same time. Mm. Yeah, you, you can't be courageous without right. fear because then you're just then you're just right. tough. You know, you're, you're impervious, right. which is, I guess, you know, good enough itself, but it has its own mm -hmm. problems because if you're impervious to negative things, sometimes you're impervious mm -hmm. to positive yeah. things as well, right. you know. So, mm -hmm. Megan, any? Uh, yeah, the music. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think honestly, Maddie Diaz's yeah. album that she released, I oh my god, I just love it. I'm obsessed. I think the lyrics in that record are so amazing, and that's been one that was one that I had on repeat for so long, and just for like in this stuff when I was just think trying to think through stuff and whatnot, she was amazing. And then in general, what I have been listening to when I just need calm is Gregory Allen Isakoff. And then also Andy Schaff. I feel like both of those voices have been just like really calming, nice background music and nice to also sit with as well. So those are really calming for me. Yeah, no, I, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. This is, this is a very big deal for you guys stepping up and talking about mm -hmm. these issues. And so many people struggle, particularly with anxiety yeah. and are looking for directions and you guys are you know, validating people's experiences, talking about avenues to get help. And uh, it's fantastic. I very much oh, appreciate thank it. Thank you for the great questions. Yeah. It's nice to get to like go in depth with some of this stuff. Yeah, you know? I agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, best of luck with your guys' ongoing fantastic career. I hope we get a chance to talk again. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. So there it is. Natalie, Allison and Megan of Joseph talking about their struggles with anxiety. Now, there's so much we can take away from the conversation with Joseph. But one thing I wanted to highlight was towards the end of our discussion when the band discussed being inspired by Lizzo. 
they discussed Lizzo's combination of vulnerability and strength in her music. And one of the things that we discussed is that perhaps one of the most powerful things we can do to show strength is to be vulnerable. Many of us feel that being vulnerable means being weak. And so often on our mental health journey, we judge ourselves for our struggles and want to hide any issues we have for fear of being judged. But this attempt to appear strong can ultimately weaken us because if we are not vulnerable and open with ourselves and others, we will not have the opportunity to understand what is happening to us when we experience something like a panic attack. We won't take the time to learn how to manage our underlying physiological reaction and the often catastrophic thoughts that can perpetuate anxiety. And we won't take the time to identify the health behaviors that can help us prevent and cope with panic. And that's where the real strength lies, being open to learn and grow without judging and find others who can be supportive on our mental health journey. I want to thank Joseph for this wonderful conversation. This season of Going There is brought to you by AbV, who is driving the pursuit of better mental health. Over the last 30 years, AbV scientists and clinicians have worked to tackle the complexity of mental illness and today offer a portfolio of medicines and a pipeline of innovation that spans depression, anxiety, bipolar one disorder, and schizophrenia. To learn more about AbV's work to support individuals throughout their mental health journey, please visit www.abv.com or follow at AbV on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And I, of course, want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at one 800 622 4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads. Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. (laughs) Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawke, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.